right, and we are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969. Today is Friday, January 13th. For all you superstitious motherfuckers out there, welcome in to the show. Alongside Teddy Pristash, my name is Blake Pace. we got a lot to get into in the world of the New York Jets today. Uh, don't really need to spend too much time talking about their uh, final loss of the season, 11-6 to the Dolphins, but we do have a lot to talk about the offense uh, with a few assistants being let go, along with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. So we'll get into all of that. Saving a little conversation of quarterbacks is before our last episode, by the way, before we take a little bit of a hiatus through the rest of the playoffs. Um, before we get to all of that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube page. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at spring Blake with four A's in there. Teddy, I feel like the last month and a half has been pretty sour. So even this Miami game, I can't say that, you know, it, it could have been that much worse for you, but we're, we're a few days removed. How you doing thoughts on Sunday? Was it, was it heartbreaking or were you just like, eh, this is no, well, no, we, it, it, it was good. It. Um, I'm doing good. I, I'm getting over a little sickness, but, but that was fine. Maybe the jets did that to me with their just terrible, terrible performance. Um, before I talk about that, I also do just want to tell a quick story regarding the name of our show chasing 69. Yeah. Um, when we, so Blake and I like made that name whenever we came up with this idea and, you know, it's a little like, you know, innuendo sex. sexist, not, that's not what I meant. Sexist. But no, it's, sex. I meant like sex related, whatever. Um, but like, I don't really care, but, but I always knew that like the text from my dad would come at some point. I just didn't know if it would be like after the first episode or after like the fifth episode or whatever. And he's yeah. known I've been doing this, but, but this week my dad just texts me and goes chasing 69 is a, a little iffy, don't you think? Or like something <laughs> like that. And I was just like, I know, hey, hey. LOL, and he just ha ha the message. You know? That's amazing. That <laughs> yeah, took him a while funny. to get there. 40, 42 episodes in. I'm glad he took I know, he knows about it, but, but That's yeah, hilarious. I don't know. I'm glad he, uh, I'm glad oh, yeah, he gave I thought us a little that bit of a, a shout funny. out there. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. but the Jets losing, it, it, you know, it was kind of annoying because I had given up on the season, you know, the week before, obviously, when it ended for us, but yeah. Like everybody, I mean, you got me all hyped up. Everyone's picking the Jets plus three and a half. The Dolphins are starting Skylar Thompson again. Like it just seemed, you know, again, like this should have been a game that that the Jets could win easily. You know, same thing I thought in the freaking Dolphins or Lions game the week before. So, you know, it was disappointing from that aspect. Fact, I did bet on them, lost, even though I quit betting. I keep betting, it sucks. <laughs> um, but you know, end of the day, I kind we kind of talked about it on uh last week's episode, but it's like, you know, at least we get that jump in the uh, in the draft, you know, gives us yeah. a little more wiggle room, a little more capital to play with. Um, but you know, just stupid. It's just like, all right, we ended the season on a six game losing streak, freaking two of the last. 10 or two of the last eight or something like that it just it was a tough end to the year and it and it you know it does it leaves a sour taste in your mouth definitely yeah I mean it's it's so funny to think about I mean seven and four and then you're just sitting here and you're at this point and and yeah Sunday Sunday was lifeless I mean like yeah. it was it was 
a disgrace. Um, I don't know how much detail we need to go into it, obviously, because I think we all watch it. It, it all is what we had seen the weeks prior, um, just with yeah. a, an, another quarterback there under center. So, you know, I there there are a lot of things that, like we said last week, and we've said throughout this this losing streak, there are a ton of positives to take away from this season. And obviously, the big message around with everybody's new T-shirt that Salah had for him on Monday is finish. You know, like this, this is the mantra is like, we need to finish through the season. We need to not, you know, rest on our laurels of being at a seven and four point, just thinking, okay, now we're riding this wave. It's the job's not done. It's keep pushing through. And and hopefully this is something that can kind of turn itself into a nice lesson for next year. Um, but it is a shitty way for it to go down. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. And, and I do, I guess I do just want to make that like point where, you know, the season fell apart in a way that like none of us expected when we were seven and four. Right. And we, we finished seven and 10 and all of a sudden we're sitting here and we're like, like, we don't have a quarterback. We just fired our offensive coordinator, which we'll get into in a second. But like, I feel like for a lot of jets fans, it's really easy to kind of just feel like we're right back in that place of like, you know, we're hopeful, we're hopeless, we're, we're bottom of the league, like we got nothing going for us. And I do think like, that's definitely not true. Like the Jets team, most certainly took a step forward this year from where they've been, you know, the past two to five years. I mean, even that year in 2019, when we're seven and nine, that was a disgusting, disgusting year, worse than the seven and 10 year we just watched, definitely. you know, regardless of how you want to <clears throat> like, see it it's like we didn't have a defense that was this good we didn't have a, a thousand yard rookie receiver we didn't have one of the best cornerbacks in the league um so i think you know we got to kind of take everything with a grain of salt it sucks you know and the jets deserve a lot of criticism for you know everything that went down um but but i do think that like you know the jets are definitely further ahead than they were a year ago and obviously you know this next year is going to kind of make or break everything but but I do think, you know, the opportunity for this team to continue to be like a real team as opposed to, you know, just bottom of the barrel, absolutely lifeless, you know, is still there for us. Yeah, definitely. I A lot of great foundational pieces have been found along the way. And it, it is unfortunate the next season does enter into this like make or break, like playoff mandate, probably a double digit win season or at least around there, just getting into the postseason um but you know all things considered it needs to be at that point because this is a front office that has been building this team for a few years now and and it's these things don't last forever i always i i have to bring in at least one one colts comp uh, a year but it's like you know when we drafted quentin nelson and he was a stud from day one and Braden smith was a pro bowl right tackle as a second round pick and you're drafting michael Pittman in the second round like you're getting all these young guys it's super nice to say but then you you take a look a few years later you know we just paid quentin nelson to be the highest guard in football and he's had two of his worst seasons of his pro career the last two seasons it's like these careers that we think you know just because you find a stud that's fantastic in year one and you expect like that's just going to be the guy a lot of times guys just have great starts to their careers and it falls off pretty flat. You know, the average, what's the average career NFL span? It's, it's like, it's almost like three months, months, right? Yeah. Like it's that. months. Yeah. So it's like, Coach even Collister these... told me that when I was in <laughs> when... like 11th grade, our gym teacher slash my football coach. <laughs> when you had dreams of making it to the pros, he's like, Hey, Pristash, average yeah, NFL career, <laughs> a few months there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> 
So what I'm saying is like, yes, we can be excited about a lot of these pieces in the Jets franchise right now, but the window start the window is now. And that's yeah. where it's like you really need to seize the opportunity. And there's a ton of ways that they can do this offseason. There are some contracts you can get off of if you need to free up some money in free agency. They still have, like we said, a thirteenth overall pick. But yeah, all things considered, it's 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 nice to be satisfied with the progress made this year, but also understanding like that this is if this regime wants to stick around. They've got next season to prove why they should be. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I feel like we should just, we should get started because we talked about this guy a lot this season, Mike LaFleur. We, did. we had high hopes for him. You know, we have, we have, we probably still do have a lot of high beliefs in, in, in his career, I guess. Um, I'd like you to kind of kick it off. I mean, Jets offense coordinator, Michael LaFleur gets fired. What's Blake Pace thinking? Hey, Hey, he they mutually agreed to part ways. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. Excuse dude. me, that's true. They did. They did. <laughs> they that mutually, is how it was announced that they I'm mutually putting agreed air to quotes part around ways. that. For those that are just listening, I'm putting air quotes there because there is no way, in my opinion, that this was mutually agreed upon. And I believe that Tuesday morning, I it was Tuesday, correct? My weekdays are all mixed up, but I believe it was Tuesday that the first report came out early in the morning where it was like, oh, it's he's not expected to come back. And then there was Connor Hughes that came out and was like, whoa, 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 they haven't made a decision yet. He has not been let go. But there were those rumblings out there that made you think, okay, we knew the conversation was, was going to be had, um, especially the way that the season ended. And then after you saw the first report, you're like, okay, well, somebody heard something. There's not nothing going on. And then, you know, few what I'm assuming what happened through those few hours is is LaFleur is hearing about other potential opportunities. And I do believe that teams had probably been reaching out and like, hey, if, if you are going to be let go, like, let's have conversations. Because I think we can all agree here that while LaFleur p- potentially needed to move on from the Jets, it's not that he's a bad coach. I, I do believe that he's going to get a job pretty easily, that he'll go on to be a good offensive coordinator in this league. But for whatever reason, the way that the last two years unraveled and especially this seven game losing streak or this uh, six game losing streak to finish the year and played out, they, the Jets needed to make a change here. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, Mike LaFleur no longer with the Jets. They also let go of offensive line coach John Benton. Uh, there was a report at one point that quarterbacks coach Rob Calabrese was going to be let go, but it, it, he remains still on staff. Um, and then, of course, they also need to fill wide receivers coach position, uh, which is open, according to Robert Sala, which means Miles Austin will not be brought back after he serves his year-long suspension for gambling. Um, so, Petty, I, where I sit with this, and I think we've talked about this last week, we're both on the same page. Bring LaFleur back for the start of next season. If things don't work out well there with a veteran quarterback, because I do believe it's a little bit tough to gauge his talent based on the inconsistency they had at the position there. Um, and it's not just the fact of like, you know, okay, maybe they, if they had a sturdy backup, you know, maybe a, a Jacoby Brissett or a guy like that, you could see how they would stay off, but it was literally that they were going through. It starts with Flacco. It goes to Zach Wilson. It goes to Mike white. It goes to Zach Wilson. It goes back to Mike white. And then it finishes with Joe Flacco. There was no stability at all. Year throughout this entire season. And then you also take into account the injuries to a couple of their best offensive linemen, their star running back, Elijah Moore requests a trade. Denzel Mims requested one. It's not like, I guess he necessarily was a huge value addition to this offense before the season, but so much was going wrong around them that I thought he at least earned the chance to show what he could do with an offense that had a little bit of stability. And the, the plan this off season 
before, you know, LaFleur is being like, oh, and it's still the plan is to get a stable quarterback in there. So I would have liked to have seen what he would have done to start the season. Now, if there's a stable quarterback there and four weeks in the offense still isn't getting it done, sure, make a move. Now, you shouldn't go into a season being like, we're going to give him a four-game leash. But I do believe when we see how quickly it takes for him to get hired after this season, I, I think we're going to sit here and say that, you know, he is a talented offensive coordinator and play caller in this league. So I do ag agree with the sense of I understand the Jets looking at how this season unraveled and saying we need to make at least one change on the staff. It wasn't going to be Albrick, which is hilarious because we talked before the season about how he was going to be the scapegoat if things went south to start the season. It wasn't going to be Salah because obviously I think he's going to at least get through the end of next season. So when you look at it, it, it just it had to be Lafleur. It had to be because the offense was what was holding this team back at the end of the day. So I I agree. I understand why they had to do it. I just I worry a little bit that it's it might not have been the best move for the interest of this Jets team moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty in line with that, I'd say, um, you know, our conversations throughout the year really all, you know, as we kind of got started on this losing streak and as the fans got louder and louder that we need to fire Mike LaFleur, you know, my uncle Mike, who is just like an old Jets fan. He's yelling they need to fire <laughs> yeah. him. Um, and I, I always kind of push back on that because of everything you just said, you know, there was all this instability, you know, he's shown flashes of, of good play calling shown flashes of good scheme. So to some extent, I did agree with you. And, you know, like I would have been completely fine with them, you know, keeping him definitely, um, where it really started to switch for me. And I think that's like reflected in, in our past two episodes is like these last two jets games yeah. were kind of his opportunity to say like, listen, we tucked away Zach Wilson in, in a corner, you know, he's not going to be, we're, we're not focused on Zach Wilson right now. We're focused on, on, you know, putting together a game plan with Mike white and then Joe Flacco to, to make the playoffs. Um, and you know, it, that just didn't happen at all. Like when you look at the way this season ended with, with, you know, I think it was 31 offensive drives without a touchdown. And to me, I just, you know, we talked about it last week. Like really, when you reflect on this season, there wasn't much offensive success and you can point to a few games where there was, um, but really other than the bears game, there was really no true passing success. It was only ever, you know, just having an awesome game when you had Brees Hall and AVT in there. And I think that's kind of what, like, like my knocks against, uh, against Michael Fleur would be, um, you know, play calling definitely wasn't always good and continued to kind of be bad through, through the streak, despite just like being the same thing and not working. So I think that's one thing where it was like, okay, that's a knock. You also look at, you know, you want to give the Zach Wilson excuse. And I do agree the instability, putting guys back and forth, that's never helpful, but you do look at all the games without Zach Wilson. And there were still plenty of stinkers in those games as well. Um, I would say that's almost just because I, at the end of the day, I truly do believe all quarterbacks that were on this depth chart aren't 
Right, and that's at, fair. At, the, at an average level. So that's it's, it's not just the fact that it's instability. It's instability with lesser quarterback play, no matter which way you go. It wasn't like, you know, Mike White gave that spark there for a couple of weeks, but right. it fizzled out pretty quick and obviously getting banged up. And we don't know, you know, what, what percentage he was playing at to close out the season when he did come back. But I'm almost like, I understand. No, it's a it's, solid point. It is. It is all because they all stink. Joe Flacco exactly. stinks. He's terrible. Um, <laughs> But it is still just kind of like that, like, you know, we were hoping to just like, I, I guess it's more than just like the quarterback play, because my next point is like the inability to really get the running game going at all. Um, I mean, we even talk about like, like Zonovan Knight, it felt like we had found this like star, right? Who was who who went on a tear. But when you look back at his stats, you know, he had two good games, you know, in, in terms of like actually high rushing output and his one 90 yard game he had that big 42 yard touchdown run or whatever so it's like once Brees hall went down we weren't able to to have a consistent passing game other than the bears game we were never able to have a a good running game the rest of the year so it's like you kind of stack those things up and it's like i totally buy all the excuses you can give for mike lafleur and again i would have been fine if they kept him but especially these last two weeks, that's where it just was kind of like, I get it if they move on from this guy. Like, that's that's totally fine to me. And I think it's kind of like the way it goes, you know, in the NFL. But I do, with all that said, like, I'm fine firing Michael Fleur. I think it was kind of the right decision to some degree. Well, I don't know. Because I do 100% think he's going to get picked up. And we're going to be watching Mike LaFleur have a successful career just because like, that's what it is to be a Jets fan. Like Mike LaFleur is going to go sign somewhere else and is going to see success. I mean, you even think about like Brian Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer got fired from the Jets and had like a, a decade career being the offense coordinator for the Seahawks, you know? And it's like, I don't know all these coaches and the hiring and firing. It's like, so you, sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look terrible. I think 90, 90% of it really does come down to the players they're dealt. So yes, it's, that's what I'm I kind of about indifferent about this whole thing. That because was... it's like, do I think a new offensive coordinator and not having Mike LaFleur is going to kill us? No. Do I think keeping Mike LaFleur would have killed us? No. That's kind of where I stand. Yeah, well, the, the players part is such an important thing because, yeah, you can only do you can only deal with the cards that you're, you're given. And um, especially when the injuries piled up. It's like when we had a really good running back there in Brees Hall – the rush attack was fantastic when we had a healthy offensive line. And I know even in the early parts of the season, we were missing Dwayne for a bit. Um, you know, you lose Becton in the preseason. Fant was out for a little bit. So it wasn't always healthy. But there was a point early on in that season, the line was holding up well enough, especially when Brees started really getting going as a star. And it was back. like, it was like, it was like, it was all different, but it was really only like six or seven guys total yeah. playing because they were all swifting around. And so, yeah, exactly. So there was a point where things, if there, when there was stability in the run game, the run game took off. And, and, and even like I'm saying, like, even with all this bad quarterback play, Garrett Wilson had a fantastic year. Um, you know, the, the dip down from Elijah Moore from year one to year two was definitely frustrating that that was a part with the offense. We were just like, what happened? What, what happened here? And um, it's tough when you have a quarterback there as well, too, that, you know, not only, like I said, you're switching between quarterbacks again and again, but they're also not getting the job done at just an average level outside of Mike White for those few games there. 
So, yes, if if he goes over, and we talked about this team before, and if he goes to the Chargers and takes over as their offensive coordinator, he's probably going to look great because it's going to be the best OC that that Herbert has had in his career, and he's already been a fantastic quarterback, and he's got a ton of great playmakers around him. So it is all situational where, you know, he's going to probably find a pretty nice situation for himself. Um, and I guess it almost pivots into, like, the Jets, actually, before we get to potential replacements, I do want to ask you this because we talked a little bit about it before the show. The whole talking point of like Sala was not influenced by ownership uh, to to make a change here. What are your thoughts now a few days as you've let that marinate around and kind of give me your thoughts on if this was yeah. something that Sala really wanted to do at the end of the day? Yeah, so I guess just to give a little, you know, high up you know i bird's eye view of it uh you know there were tweets coming out a few days ago i think a, a gm said it on a podcast or maybe like someone just reported that a gm told them but basically the report was you know sal is fighting for mike lafleur to keep his job woody's pushing for him to get fired you know and let's see who wins basically and then obviously, you know, we know that Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur are friends. Um, we know that Sala seemingly likes to go to bat for, bat for his guys and, you know, not give up on people. So it's not hard to believe it, that that would be, be true. Um, but then in today's press conference, Robert Sala comes out and basically says, listen, um, excuse me. He basically says, listen, Woody is the owner of this team and is always going to be able to to voice his opinions and be heard and, 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 you know, say what he wants and do all that. But at the end of the day, he gives Joe Douglas and I um, 100% decision-making, which I do think is, you know, an interesting statement because it's like, do you really buy that? Right. Do you really buy that? Are you there? Are you frozen? Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. All right. Cool. Could you hear all that? Yeah, yeah, I could hear all that. All I'm right. just, I'm laughing. You just, I didn't know if you were super, super chill or if you were frozen. I'm laughing. What are you laughing at? I forgot what I was talking about anyway. So. You're, it's about it. Cause like you're saying, it, it just sounds so reminiscent of Chris Ballard's end of season press conference where he's like, oh yeah, Jeff Saturday is definitely a, a top prize candidate and he deserves the opportunity. It's like, no, Jim Ursay is making you hire, is making you interview Jeff Saturday. And at the end of the day, if Jeff Saturday is the head coach of that football team, it is because Jim Ursay made Chris Ballard make that hire. So I I, I like when people yeah. go out there and say that, but I also, I'm like, you're saying good things about the person that employs you. You're not going to go out there and bash your owner, the guy that pays you your money. Right. And you're not going to openly disagree with them. Usually. I mean, no. coaches have, but, but usually you're going to, you're going to, cause you want your job, you know, Salah knows. Do you think, you think Robert <laughs> Salah doesn't know he's got one year to make you, yeah. you think Joe Douglas doesn't know that they know that. Um, what I, I don't know. Cause like, I definitely do. I do think that for the most part, Woody Johnson gives them free reign. Do, do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I do definitely think Woody Johnson and I mean I think it's basically been confirmed at this point that like Woody Johnson is very much pushing push, pushing to Sala that changes were necessary yeah and it's at least been reported that Sala wanted to push back on that which I think is like fair for all parties right like that's all within what they can do um where where this narrative kind of loses me 
And, you know, it's just my beliefs. I'm, I'm not in the building. But number one, I wouldn't even like I don't think that Joe Douglas and the front office staff, I would assume they're also putting some pressure that changes are necessary um, because, you know, we just talked about all these different things. The front office are the guys who who, you know, went out and, and drafted Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Elijah Bear Tucker and like and like all they're the ones who signed the tight ends and Corey Davis and and draft Elijah Moore so like to me and this all just goes back to the resume for me it's like you can say that Salah was forced to do it you can say whatever but to me it's like you look at the last two years what Mike LaFleur was able to do offensively really was never able to see success outside of a few bright spots and I think whether Salah really wanted him like was really, really fighting for him or not. I think he was definitely like the minority in that room. And I think I also wouldn't doubt that even Salah to some degree is like, I think a change is kind of just needed, even just understanding the business, right? Just being like, listen, this is going to happen. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, do I believe he has a hundred percent decision-making? No, but at the same time, I think, I do think it was kind of like other people other than just Woody Johnson were probably saying, let's, let's see if we can switch something up, get some experience in here and really flourish next year. Yeah. Well, Teddy, let's talk about some of those replacements. Then. Cause I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I wasn't, I had no rebuttal there. Uh, I have, I have one yeah. more thing to say. I want to talk about. So when we first brought this up, right, you said mutually agreed to part ways. I do yeah. just want to break this down a little bit because the way that that's reported is basically, and, and, and Salah said it in his press conference, is other teams were coming to Mike LaFleur saying, hey, you know, if you get let go, we'd be interested in you. And, you know, the way that Sal's saying it is basically the Jets and Mike LaFleur came to an agreement. They were both going to part ways. You know, which is really funny because it's like, if the Jets really wanted Mike LaFleur to stay, they just wouldn't have said, you're allowed to go do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, where I kind of see that is Robert Salah knew Mike LaFleur was going to get fired. Mike LaFleur was like, hey, man, well, you know, at least I've been getting some other interest. And so I was like, listen, go do your thing. Do we'll give you that kind of jumping off point of, you know, you didn't get fired. You know, we left kind of together. And then, and then that that's you know i guess it's it's just i guess what i want to break down and kind of hear your thoughts on is like is like the whole idea sal is saying part of the reason we're letting him go is because he had other opportunities and we wouldn't have just let him you know go off like do you buy that at all because that just seems so ridiculous no, to me I, I in think it's the a nice that that would be yeah, it's a nice way to paint the picture at the end of the day where you can say like, look, we yeah. love each other, but we have to make this move here. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't find it. I do believe I that I do believe that there's interest out there. I do I do believe that, you know, there's there's going to be some No, there has interest. to be. And I mean, this was his first offensive coordinator position and he was a he was a, you know, very um up and coming guy, you know, like his his what's the word I want to use here? Like uh momentum has not fallen off too much, you know, with no. this two year, two year step with the, with the jets. 
we were talking about like at the beginning of the season that if this went well for him this year, he was going to be getting like these Ben Johnson interviews that he's right. Like, like Ben Johnson right now caught fire. He stole the smoke from Mike LaFleur and is now getting these head coaching interviews as like a first time OC. So yeah, you know, there are still going to be some, some great opportunities. And like I said, he's going to probably have a pretty lengthy career here. It's just, it's not going to be in New York. Um, You know, one of the things that I think when you go to, make a change like this and people are so um it reminds me it's it's not to i'm not a politics guy but it's almost like politics where when you get a person out of office you're usually going to swing to the complete opposite type of guys you know you go bush obama or like you're just you're always passing back and forth no exactly it's like the big um I don't, I guess, overreaction or overcorrection is the yeah, word, right? Exactly. Like, oh, I hated that. Let's go way over here. Right. So that being said, as we take a look for this Jets offensive coordinator position, this is something that I spoke about with you as well, too, is like, this is a very young Jets coaching staff. There aren't a lot of time. Uh, there aren't a ton of like overtly experienced coaches with here. It's a first time head coach. Like we were saying, LaFleur was a first time OC. He's brought a lot of his guys along with him. But the problem with that sometimes is if everybody's new and kind of learning this shit on the go, there's not a whole lot of stability and some experienced voices in the background. So that being said, when I when you take a look at potential names that are going to be out there, to me, the ones that stand out the most are the ones that are going to be experienced. And I know that you were, you've got a few names on here as well, too. I, I kind of want to just dive through them as well. So, you know, you pulled a list from who put that list out there? Some time. Yeah. Names. So these are the ones reported by Samini. I mean, if you, if, 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 if you look at, at like potential candidates, you know, obviously reports are all over the place. Most, most articles you look at, guys are listing 15 guys because, you know, the Jets have said they're going to cast a wide net. It's going to be similar to what they did with with the hiring of Robert Sala, you know, where where this is going to be a, a long process. You know, they're not going to hire anybody tomorrow. Right. Um, but so I just kind of, you know, Rich Demini, he's the guy plugged in. He put out four names. Um, I figured that would be a good starting point because he's probably the most senior beat reporter there is. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I guess the the first few names here that are mentioned, I, I, is there any order that you do you want to go in the order that you got them here? Cause this first one. Yeah. I think the first one has to be talked about first because that's the one with the most legs. That's the one with it, the most reports coming out reports. about him. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. Take it away. Go ahead. Well, that's our man, Daryl Bevel, right. Um, who's currently uh, the pass game coordin- coordinator QB coach for the dolphins um, in 2021 last year. He was the Jags offensive coordinator. Um, and the two years before that, he was the Lions offensive coordinator. Um, Blake, I'm sure you could talk more about Daryl Bevel than me, but I'll just give what I know as someone who doesn't pay full attention. I'm pretty sure Daryl Bevel has been trash the past few years. Is that where you stand? <laughs> it, it's not even almost <laughs> trash. It's like, do you remember the point early on in, in Russell Wilson's career where the offense was just always very stagnant and just, they weren't really, it was very just bland chicken and rice, whatnot. This, yeah, this is the early. That's like his whole career. Cause this is, this is where the connection with Sala and, and Bevel come right, from, is yeah, that, you know, they're yeah. on that staff there in Seattle spent three years together there. Obviously uh, Bevel stayed on through 2017. And then really when Russ was trying to expand into a, a new age type offense, this was the thing that kept holding them back. To me, it is a very underdeveloped offense. Now, 
guys can change. That's this, this isn't something like coaches are always just going to be the same guys that they always were. So I don't want to say that he would come in here and just be this statue of an offensive coordinator that he was back in, in Seattle. It's a, it is going to be very run based with his offense there. And then to, you know, the jets credit, they got a great running back. And if the offensive line is healthy, that's the way that they're going to win this, especially if they don't make a significant upgrade at quarterback. I think fans will probably be a little bit upset watching an offense like that, but you know, it all depends on who the quarterback is going to be there too. That's the other part of this that is so crazy is as we'll start to take a look at some of the names that are going to be brought in as offensive coordinators, you almost have to think of like who the good quarterback pairs are going to be with that offensive coordinator. It's not just that these guys are probably going to have, you know, zero connections previously we have to kind of take a look and see, are there any quarterback names in there that kind of make sense with a Daryl Bevel? Are there any guys that make sense there with a, a Nathaniel Hackett who we'll get to, or a Matt Nagy or a Gary Kubiak? Like there's all these names out there, but we all, we can't just think of them individually. We have to say, okay, well, what quarterback ties in and fits really well with that offensive coordinator? Is it a Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it a Derek Carr? Is it, is it fucking Aaron Rodgers? You know, like, you know, we start to paint a little bit of a picture here and it's like, there are some, there are some good connections. Um, With Bevel, there's not really a connection there that really pops off the page to me. There's not a guy that I'm like, oh, yep. If we bring in Daryl Bevel, this X quarterback is going to be there. Any quarterback that's available right now, he hasn't necessarily worked with, at least to the, to my knowledge, you know, I, you know, you take a look at his previous stops, it's Dolphins, Jaguars, Lions. And then, you know, his long one there really was with the Seahawks. Um, yeah. This is one that I think I'm surprised it's getting the most traction. And I understand the reasoning behind it. There's experience. There's a connection with him. He's been around the block. Like you go back, he, you know, his first job with the, in the NFL was back in 2000. So he's been around the league for two decades. So if you are painting the picture of an experienced guy, you know, Daryl Bevel is on that list. He does lack to me the nuances of a new age NFL offense, where I feel like we would be setting ourselves backwards a few years. Yeah. And that's, that's where I kind of get worried with that um, is because of like that, that type of thing with, with him. And I also just like looking at his past few years in the league, it doesn't really like scream confidence, I guess, because you think about, like, okay, this last year he was the pass game coordinator, QB coach for the Dolphins. They obviously had a pretty good passing game for a lot of the season, but, you know, dealt with shit. But you think about last year with the Jags, obviously Urban Meyer kind of blew that whole situation up, but still, like, not a great year offensively. And then, excuse me, you think about the two years before with the Lions, it's like those have not been great offenses, right? No. Um, obviously the players that are there matter. Right. Um, and, you know, when for all of these guys, I think there's all there's always going to be that you know you're going to judge them based on what they've done, not what they did, not what they're going to do. And then a lot of someone may surprise you. You know, people turn their careers around all the time. Or, but I guess I guess my two thoughts with Daryl Bevel are one, it doesn't seem like it would give me a whole ton of confidence. It seems like we would all just kind of have to buy in and hope for the best. Um, and then number two, it's like this whole idea of of Salah hiring someone who he's like boys with or who has experience with, like, obviously that's going to be a starting off point, especially, you know, what he's going to want to hear his opinions, stuff like that. And he'll, he'll have those guys that he's worked with and can talk about. Um, but similar to, you know, the Joe Douglas approach to the Robert Sala 
hiring. I think this is going to be very similar. Again, it's going to be a wide net. And it's to me, it's going to be, you know, guys that Salah was, was involved with guys that Joe Douglas was involved with guys that maybe neither of them were involved with. And I think, I just don't think that's going to end up being a huge factor. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think it's going to end up like, Oh, Robert Salah hired his old buddy from Seattle. I don't just, especially after the failure with Mike LaFleur, you know what I mean? So if we're, if we're doing the overcorrection, it almost sounds like they might also want to bring in an outside voice. Um, now it's different right. because it's not like Sala is an offensive minded coach. So it's not like that's necessarily his strong background, but you would almost say like, okay, well you did this recently. Maybe if it's, maybe that's the thing is like, you can bring in a guy that you've worked with, but he's got the experience there. So like, there's, I guess that potential, but I would almost say like, I would, I would want to hear voices maybe that I've never worked with before. You know, I'd want people that are going to yep. bring in ideas that I've never been around. Cause all he's been around, if you look at it is essentially been that Kyle Shanahan based offense. So that that's a, and it's a huge tree. So it's not like it's done poorly. It's a very successful tree. Um, but you would almost think with the way that they moved on from Lafleur and not giving him another go around, it's like, well, we want to really change things up. So maybe it's not there. So that's yep. an interesting one. Uh, Teddy, the next one to me, like, cause I, you know, who I want that it, obviously. Okay. So as we talk quarterbacks, we know like Lamar is like a one, a one, my a like my right below that is getting Aaron Rodgers in here. And who I mean, I'm was with Aaron, and who was Aaron Rodgers a back-to-back MVP with as his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel motherfucking Hackett, who was just fired 10 weeks into his first, uh, season as a head coach with the Denver Broncos. He's apparently another name attached in here in that report as well, too. They obviously spent their days in Jacksonville together under Doug Marone. Here's what I'll say about Nathaniel Hackett. I said it the day he was hired. He is an extremely talented and good offensive coordinator. I don't know what went wrong in Denver. Some guys just aren't meant to be head coaches. Some guys just make fantastic coordinators. He has an extremely impressive track record of being around offenses that shouldn't be performing that well and in and elevating them to new levels. That 2015-2016 Jaguars offense that made it, you know, one play away from being an AFC title game with Blake Bortles at quarterback and like a half decent Leonard Fournette at running back, that offense had no business being as good as it was. And yet he got them almost a, like I said, a, a tipped pass from I think it was Stefan Gilmore from being in the Super Bowl. The Jacksonville Jaguars with Blake Bortles, who was out of the league, what, two years after that? So then he goes and he moves on to Green Bay as well, too. And then he he almost he catches Aaron Rodgers kind of on his start to decline. Like people under, got to understand, like before he was back to back MVP, there were talks about like, OK, is his tenure already over? That's one of the reasons they went and they got it. Jordan Love at quarterback. And instead, Rodgers comes out here with Nathaniel Hackett as his offensive coordinator and rips off two straight MVP seasons. Nathaniel Hackett heads out. Rodgers takes a little bit of a step back. Now you could say, okay, maybe without Devontae Adams, maybe a bad offensive line. Like they did lose some pieces. It wasn't just Hackett. But when you take a look at, you know, the success that he's had around offenses the last five or six years, an extremely impressive job. Like I said, I have no fucking clue what went on in Denver this year. It is one of the craziest anomalies that I think we've, we've seen in the last decade. And, you know, we'll learn as we go further along if Nathaniel Hackett never gets things turned around for an offense again or if Russ can never really extend his career and, and kind of rebound from this down season he had. We'll, we'll start to figure out necessarily what the problem was, but I have always been a big Nathaniel Hackett fan, and uh, it would be interesting to see if, if he would get brought in here for the Jets. Yeah, this one's an interesting one for me. Um, I think just because of the the 
emotions I've experienced following the the Denver Broncos this year. Um, That's big Russ guy. Yeah, for anyone who uh, has been following along, I I bought in on the Broncos pretty pretty good this year. Was all ready for Russ to be really good, um, and that didn't happen, you know. And and Russ played bad, and I think in a lot of ways, um, I'm sure there were mistakes by Nathaniel Hackett as well. Um, so that's why this is kind of hard for me. But with all that being said, just based off like I, I haven't, I've most certainly not done a deep dive on all these all these potential guys. This is kind of the name that like sticks out to me is like, oh, I kind of want that guy. Um, and it's for all the reasons that you just said, the the past experience, the experience with Rodgers, you know, having those those two 13 and three seasons with him, those MVP seasons, like they were just awesome. And and he was obviously a big part of that, whether, um, you know, whether like Rodgers is obviously a big help there as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I would I would be fine with Nathaniel Hackett. And I think a big thing with some of these guys is like, like, you know, maybe he isn't supposed to be a head coach. You know, these offensive coordinator guys, they become head coaches and their offense struggles because they're thinking about, oh, what time's team meeting? What 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 are we having for lunch? And it's like, yo, we got a we got a game plan. We got a play call, all this shit. So, like, it wouldn't surprise. I don't think he's just going to all of a sudden be some terrible coach. So I'm, I'm fully in line with you. Um, I would be fine with this. I think the experience with the Packers is what really does it for me because it's like, wow, you got to like be around someone as great as Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and pick their brains and and develop offenses for them. I think one of the things that sticks out to me there is like the Packers were always so good at, you know, like Devontae Adams is going to be involved in the game, right? It's not like he it's not like he's just ever going to be just like shut out. And I think that's something that I wanted to see more from Mike LaFleur this year was like, get Garrett Wilson three or four screen passes every game. You know what I mean? Like, like get these easy things that just like the play is designed where it's like a run play, but it's to Garrett Wilson, you know, where he motions, motions back and runs a, a two yard out or whatever, you know, things like that is kind of what sticks out to me where I think, you know, if, if an OC comes in here and is like, Hey, I'm going to freaking build an offense around running the ball and giving the ball to Garrett Wilson, I'm going to be amped. Yeah. Uh, the only I guess the only concern with Nathaniel Hyken is kind of like what we were saying with LaFleur is like, he's gonna, he's getting a job somewhere and the job could be back with the Packers. You know, there is a chance that Matt LaFleur wants to bring him back in as the OC. If the plan is to go forward with Aaron Rodgers, especially, I think that that's a reunion that would be pretty likely. Um, but, you know, as we continue to take a look at, at, you know, there's so many coaches coaching jobs that are shuffling around right now. Um, you know, that's the only other thing that I think would potentially get in the way is I believe he probably would prefer to go somewhere where he's succeeded previously. I didn't realize, do you know how many ties he has, not to the Jets, but to the state of New York? He has coached a lengthy amount of time in the state of New York. Um, Syracuse. Uh, it, he's oh, a Maroon guy, right? Yeah. He's yep. a Maroon so guy, right? So he was yeah. with Syracuse. So, so he did- so he, uh, was he was the Syracuse, offensive the Bills, coordinator. Probably. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he spent yep. all that time there. So he was the Bills OC in 13-14. He was the Syracuse OC 2011-2012. Passing game coordinator in 2010. Before then, spent a couple of years with the Bills previously as an offensive quality co- uh, control coach. So pretty extensive career. And obviously that does follow around with Marone, but it's cool to see the ties that he has to the state of New York as well, especially Syracuse. I always like seeing that. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I you know, to me, that's the name that, you know, we both 
we started with Bevel because obviously that's the one that's picking up the most steam and we're kind of like, nah, but Nathaniel Hackett is the one that when I take a look at, I'm like, yeah, sign me up for that. If he wants to come into New yeah. York, and that obviously doesn't mean that they're going to go and trade for Aaron Rodgers, but I think we've seen him do nice work with a, a, a very different variety of quarterbacks, you know, from Blake Bortles to Rodgers. There's a few different guys in there that have done a good job with Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. I agree. This next guy, full disclosure. Yeah. And Rich Cimini first tweeted oh, this you, and said, Greg Olson. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is Greg Olson really already like this close to like his coaching dream? Like, isn't Greg Olson doing, doing, Fox. you know, commentating and box. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what's going on here? And I, 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 I forgot that about the other Greg freaking Olson. Um, I think it, when I, when I looked him up, it's Greg Allen Olson. That's how they differentiate their uh, Wikipedia gotcha. pages. Yeah. <laughs> Good. But he's, uh, he's currently the Rams, uh, senior offensive assistant. He was the Raiders offensive coordinator from 2018 to 2021. Um, which I mean, those are all Derek Carr years, right? So, yep. so some success there. Um, and we're looking better at the than they, the Raiders looked this year. Um, yeah, and and we are going to talk about you know the potential of adding Derek Carr. So this is one that does kind of make sense if that is the route the Jets are going to go. I mean, I I'd kind of like to go to you. What, what do you think of this guy? And and what do you think of? Because I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Because because I I do kind of see Derek Carr as the most likely quarterback scenario. I guess. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as experience goes, I mean, this dude's fucking ancient. He's been coaching. Uh, you can go back to his graduate assistant with Washington state in the 1980s. So like the dude's been around the fucking block. His first job in the NFL was in 2001 as a quarterback's coach. He's coached for the 49ers, the bears, the lions, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, the Raiders, and then back to the Rams Raiders. He's jumped around a bunch of spots. Obviously the connection kind of like with Nathaniel Hackett, it was a a little bit of time there in Jacksonville under the uh, Doug Marone tree there. Uh, But that's, he's been coaching for 35 years now. He's been around some really nice offensive minded coaches as well, too. Obviously most recently, um, with Sean McVay and he was with McVay in two different stints I believe he was yeah because he was with McVay when he started off with the Rams in 2017 came back as a senior offensive assistant this year um, so there's the connection there is obviously the connection to a quarterback that is made available um, and we'll talk about Derek Carr in a little bit but you know it made available that the Raiders did come out and put out a report today that we're recording this that they're going to be you know pursuing their trade opportunities for Derek Carr quarterback and Obviously, the Jets have a need for a veteran at the position. So this would be one when, like I said, you're connecting these dots here. It's like, okay, if we're bringing the offensive coordinator, what connections does he have to this guy? If the Raiders, if Derek Carr is the most likely scenario for the Jets at quarterback heading into next season, well, let's get a guy that really had his peak years there. And you're, you're talking 2018 to 2021. I'll just pull it up real quick because those are obviously, you know, when we think of Derek Carr, his best seasons. Um, so here, I'll just pull up those numbers averaged he had a 68.7 completion percentage that season he uh averaged 4200 yards 90 total touchdowns to 41 interceptions uh 7.7 yards per attempt really those were his peak years you know he was never like a necessarily bad but he was before here's here's the numbers here's here's a great way to break it down without greg olson as his offensive coordinator he was throwing below 4000 yards every single season with him there, there as offensive go. coordinator throwing for 4,000 yards or more. And uh, the touchdowns are better. The interceptions dipped down. So really, when Derek Carr had the best success of his career, um, it was with Greg Olson as his offensive coordinator. So um, 
it makes us it makes sense for a lot of reasons it makes sense for the experience it has ties although you know it's not the longest stretch that he was around with Robert Sala he does have the connection there and I like the fact too that a guy like this has jumped around into different trees there it's not like he's always been stuck with that Shanahan tree he's obviously gone and been with McVeigh, which is kind of a they kind of teeter off at a different section there it they tie back to Washington but they break away after that point and kind of build their own trees but I like that he's been around for a while he really would add some age to this coaching staff. So yeah, if, <laughs> if look, if you're signing me up for Derek Carr as the quarterback for the jets next year, this would be the offensive coordinator. I'd say let's, let's pair them together and give it a go. Yeah. I mean, these are the guys sticking out to me, Greg Olson and Nathaniel Hackett, just, uh, yeah. you know, I like to see the past success. I like to see, you know, working with experienced veteran quarterbacks, you know, people give Derek Carr a lot of guff. Derek Carr at least is a is a 10-year veteran who knows what he's doing and 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 knows what he's looking at when he's out on the football field um looking at a defense. So these guys kind of stick out to me. The last guy on the list was Matt Nagy. I mean, where do you stand with Matt Nagy? I guess the only thing I really think of Matt Nagy is like, oh, he stinks because he was a Bears coach. I guess I don't really have a big opinion on his offense coordinator abilities. It, to me, it could be the same thing as Nathaniel Hackett. He had a pretty good run there as an offensive coordinator. And it's not even just with the Kansas City. I'll pull up the entire stretch there. Um, you know, it's it's really been tied to Andy Reid. So I guess that's really the only thing that could kind of worry you. is kind of like with Bill Belichick. Sometimes you see He was coaches. the OC before, before I mean, if you, he was with He was with, yeah. So he was the OC before Biennemi. But he goes back to 2008 with the Eagles. He's literally traveled with Andy Reid. Which kind of, yeah. it, when you take a look at some of these great coaches mm -hmm. and you take a look at their coordinators that branch out and do different things and they don't work and they have to come back to be successful, that makes you worried about like, are we going to give them a, a second chance to branch away from that tree? But I do like the idea that if they do want to go outside of the realm that um, that they were previously in with the Shanahan tree, it's not too bad to go and dip from somebody in this Andy Reid system here. So it's not that I, I, I wouldn't be necessarily worried about him as offensive coordinator there. I do believe that... Some guys, like we were saying with with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, some guys might just be great offensive coordinators. And and Matt Nagy did a great job with the Chiefs, with the Eagles, um, even in his first season with the Bears. You know, when they they got a Pro Bowl season out of Mitch Trubisky there, and and he, it was a fun, creative offense. It was a little gimmicky at times, but fuck, man, we've seen gimmicky offenses do well all season this year. The Giants. Um, you know, to a certain extent, the Eagles offense is a little gimmicky as well, too. But there are, there are these offenses around the league now where it's not like you need to just be this statue quarterback throwing stuff around all day. Um, and so, no, I, I don't hate it. And there there's not a solid connection. So that would be where I'm saying if they're really going outside of the box here, that would be a name that pops up. Not my top option. I'd take it over Bevel. Um, but like you said, I, I'm kind of in the same range where if these top names mentioned Nathaniel Hackett and Greg Olson are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah. They, they both, well, before we have a, they, well, I just, what they were you both, say? both of those guys just check a lot of the boxes that I think we're looking for ties to yeah, an available, potentially I agree. available quarterback, good experience, a little bit of time around solo as well too. And I think, I think it's like, um, it's, it's like part of the reason I wasn't, you know, standing on the soapbox saying we got to fire Mike LaFleur all season. It's kind of like it goes back to what we said, you know, at the end of the day, it's important what these coaches do and they have to be able to call plays. They have to be able to, you know, scheme. They have to be able to design an offense like all that stuff is important. 
But so much of what actually matters is do you have the players on the field that are going to be able to execute well enough? And especially when you're talking about like an offensive coordinator, I just, I, I don't think like, I think there are ways to succeed without having the best offensive coordinator in the league. Right. Is all I guess I'm trying to say. So I think that like you look at these guys who just kind of check those boxes and you know, like I, I guess we're not looking, we want someone new age. Definitely. We want someone who can, who can be in this new NFL that's passing NFL, but at the same time, I don't need an offensive coordinator who's going to bring in, you know, and completely rewrite the book. You know, like I don't right. need that. Like I just want someone who's going to come in, know what they're doing and get this offense to a place where we can score 20 fucking points a game, you know, or be league be average nice. or better. Like that would be awesome. And that's, um, well, listen, I'm excited to talk about Derek Carr. I am, but there's two names I want to throw at you. Um, just random names. People just kind of bring them up. I don't know how realistic they are. Cliff Kingsbury just fired from the Arizona Cardinals. I think he has been an absolute clown the past couple of years. I think he's floundered and been terrible as a head coach. Um, I guess my first question, is that a real option you think? And two, where do you stand with Cliff Kingsbury? Like, would, do you think he'd be able to be a good offense coordinator if that was something he'd do? I mean, probably, right? I think that Cliff will go be a good offensive coordinator. I don't think he would take the Jets job. I think after just this quick stint and how quickly things fizzled out in Arizona, I think he wants to go somewhere where I think there's going to be a little bit more stability with the entire coaching staff in front office. Think about it. He gets fired from Arizona after a few right. years. He's going to go to the Jets and then be searching for another job if things go south next year. I think the far more likely scenario is he's Fair. either going to go back to something in college or he's going to head to New England to be their offensive coordinator because at least you know that with the Patriots, you, if you know with the Patriots, that you're at least going to be you're stable there in New England. Bill's not going. That's going to work not out. Gonna and be it's going to piss thing. me off. Yeah, it's going to suck. It's going to be <clears> frustrating. <throat> but it's one of those things where, you know, if you're Cliff and you're looking at the options available to you, I don't think you want to go somewhere where you're you're potentially looking for another job a year later because then after that it's like okay, fired as as a head coach right. not brought back as an offensive coordinator. Like, do you go down another peg? Like what's the next step after that? And it's his career is crazy. Cause he was brought up. He was an offensive coordinator at USC, just got hired to take that job. And then was like, ah, fuck you USC. I just got a head coaching job in the NFL after being fired from Texas tech. So it's like, it's his career path is so funny. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, you know, hopefully he does land at a stable spot. I just, I don't think he would take the jets job. Okay, next name, last name, Frank Reich. Uh, good, I was, I was. He's right. getting was head right. coach. He's getting yep. head coach uh, looks. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, is that realistic? Even I guess, and, and, and could you see that fitting? An outside voice, I think. Now, it, with him as well too, it's it's kind of in the same regard where he did just get fired. So is he also going to take a job where there's not a lot of stability? I think Frank Reich is a fantastic offensive coordinator. He's older though. He is, yeah. So he he doesn't maybe necessarily like he, he could need bounce to... back from right. from losing a job again. I think. Yeah, certainly, and it'll be interesting to see because, like you said, he he's got an interview with the Carolina Panthers. There are going to be teams that that bring him in. Like he's him and Cliff are both going to be offensive coordinators somewhere next year at the very worst if if Frank isn't a head coach. So. Um, I don't know necessarily maybe 
what he would do with this offense, I think I'd like to look back to this past season, not this most recent one, where you have a if you have a sturdy offensive line and Brees Hall, like what he could dial up with the run game would be absolutely fantastic. I think you could get a lot of bounce back out of Michael Carter in that RB2 role there. I think they really did a good job featuring when they had Carson in at quarterback featuring Michael Pittman as like a deep threat and really just were like high volume. We're going to toss it up to this guy. So I do think that there are some things that he could do a really nice job with here. Um, there's no real connection to um, to Sala, so it would have it would be an out out of the box kind of experience. But they do have experience connecting him to Joe Douglas in Philadelphia too, so there is that yeah. connection there. So I guess <clears throat> if they are looking for an outside voice, I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to pick up where he was. Um, I think he's going to do a good job at whatever his next destination is. So that is an interesting name to, I was, I was yeah, going to talk a little bit about him. I've always liked him a lot. So I think that would be cool. Um, I have one, I more. guess I, I have one more. Okay. Have, right. have you Give given any consideration to bringing in an old stallion who Sala used to work for in Gary Kubiak? You know, tell me a little bit about him. I mean, <laughs> about Gary Kubiak. I mean, he's got four Super Bowl championships. One is I've been seeing the, the name. I've been seeing the the, the tweets. A lot, of, a lot of people him. bringing him up. I mean, he's he's been he's just he's like an OG great in the NFL coaching ranks. And and Sala was on his coaching staff. Um, he was five years there with the Houston Texans when Kubiak was the head coach there. Now he has been stepped, he has stepped away from football for a few years. The last time he was with uh, an NFL team was an assistant head coach under Mike Zimmer with the Vikings a few years back, took a step back. Um, so it, you are convincing an old guy to, to kind of, you know, dust off the uh, dust off his, what, what do you dust off? Dude, dust off your dust jacket. off his play sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dust off the play sheet and get back into yeah. the swing of things. But in terms of like connection, stability, and and experience, that's a name in there where it's like you are bringing in an OG from the last few decades. That was it always fantastic? No, but it was stable. And uh, and like I said, four Super Bowl championships. You're bringing a championship pedigree into a young kind of franchise. That would be a guy that I would say like. You have to worry about it, the league changing in the way, but at least what he stood and built around his offense, I think there would be some some good pieces that he could pick up. I don't. There's no quarterback connection to me. Like I'm, I'm taking a look at his previous right. work. There's not like a guy that I'm like, oh yeah, this would be the type of quarterback we'd bring in there. I think he was the Ravens OC with Flacco for a season though, so maybe we can can just yeah. move forward with him as a as our our quarterback for 2023. <laughs> Flacco is Flacco one. better retire. If I see Flacco <laughs> no, right. play another down in the NFL, I will be shocked. <laughs> so you know, all things considered, I I just think that's another name that like it got floated out super early and then it really died down. Maybe that's because Kubiak is pretty content being retired, but um, that's just another one that I think like if you're swinging for experience in a championship pedigree and, and really adding some stability to a Jets coaching staff that doesn't have it, he would be a name that has ties like it, it would be funny going from, you know, having a coach below you to then working for that coach, but they're at two completely different points of their career that's, where yeah. it's not going to matter. Yeah, hey. Sign me up. I mean, uh, my kind of thing, it, it is funny. We talked about it earlier, but but with all these guys we just named, I mean, it really is the overcorrection from like we had the, you know, 30 whatever year old 
Mike LaFleur. Yeah. And now we're going to go and get one of these old, old heads. <laughs> the guy you that's know, legitimately who has retired. some experience under their belt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's funny. And, you know, I guess my just like final statement is, is, you know, like always, you guys know me, I'm going to, I'm going to buy into whoever we, we get. Um, and I'm going to, you know, have hope, but I definitely, like we said, Nathaniel Hackett, Greg Olson, um, Frank Reich, really, I, I, I guess I feel like we're, we're too early to really think this is the list, you know, like these are guys whose names have been floating around, but what I really think we are about to do is, um, what I really think we're about to do is, is, you know, I keep saying it, but like, this is going to be a process. We're going to cast a wide net. So I think we're going to see names that, that maybe you weren't expecting. And I do think, you know, depending on how quickly they're able to interview these guys, I think it's going to be a solid two, three weeks before we get any clarity here. It could be even longer. Cause here's the thing at the end yeah. of the day, right now, people are not only just high, like interviewing for head coaching jobs, but then if there's a head coaching opportunity that is better than New York, they're going to want to interview for that offensive coordinator position. Like if say, say Dallas fires, Mike McCarthy, after they lose in week one and Sean Payton, all of a sudden is the head coach there. There are going to be guys interviewing for his coaching staff. There are going to be guys interviewing right. for Carolina's coaching staff. If Sean McVay takes a step back and he decides he no longer wants to be with the Rams, which is kind of seeing like it's heading that way. Like there are going to be so many jobs that I think offensive coordinators are going to want to still interview for. It's just, you know, the jets have an early start. That's the, that's the only advantage right now is they are able to cast a wide net because they have got all the time in the world. So you know, to me, I, I I don't expect to hire any any bit soon. Um, I think, you know, as we start to, like I said, it's all going to be connective tissue between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. Um, so just interesting to see how it'll how it all play out. But um, is I think we kind of, you know, we didn't even talk about favorites, but it seems like we line up on the same two there with Hackett and and, uh, and Olson. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to see a Jets offense that can, you know, have more than 20 passing touchdowns in a season, have more than 15 passing touchdowns in a season. I want to see a, a Jets offense that can, you know, score three touchdowns a game, you know, like score 22 points a game, be at league average. It's like, and that's kind of what brings me back to why I'm not going to, kill the jets for firing Mike LaFleur. It's just like, like the jets offense has just continued to not be good enough. And I think throughout the year with the flashes that we saw and the, the um, great play from the defense, it's easy to just kind of be like, all right, we'll get it figured out. It's all right. We'll get it figured out. But like, I am so goddamn sick of, of, not having 20 passing touchdowns in a season like like it's and then and that's why it's always so annoying when when Zach Wilson catches the touchdown pass from Braxton Berrios or or we run the end around it's like couldn't we have just mixed in a passing touchdown to make our stats look a little better but we never seem to do that and it's like anytime we finally oh Zach Wilson finally scored a touchdown oh, oh but he caught it it was a trick play it's like shit like that just like pisses me off so Whichever guy we hire, just please get me to 22 goddamn points a game and I'll be happy. I mean, last year I said, listen, I'm not super happy right now, but last year I said, I just want the Jets to be a real team and not the bottom of the league. I think we at least somewhat got there this year. I'm happy. 
Now I'm saying I want a fucking team to score 22 points a game. That's my number one benchmark for happiness. Playoffs, that shit's all important. Give me 22 points a game, then we'll worry about the rest. And and, yeah, yeah, because it's 22 points a game, and you know the defense is going to do its job. So I think that's a that's a pretty good point there. Yeah, just be. be Right. It's like if the Jets had scored 22 points a game this year, they would have won 10 win team or 11 games. Yeah, Yeah. 10 at 10 at least. And that's real quick. We're not going to dive into Derek Carr. But that's my big thing about Derek Carr is everyone wants to talk shit about him and his year this year. Uh, the Raiders had five games where they didn't score 20 points out of 17. Only five. The Jets that's had crazy. like 100. <laughs> yeah. So that is, that's pretty crazy. Just pisses me off. Yeah. Yep. Damn. All right. Well, well, let's well get you know what? Hey, no, let's real quick. You want to talk about Derek who's, Carr? Who, no, who's your prediction? Who who do they hire at the end of the day? Oh, I don't even think we're there yet, honestly. Um, just because I give don't. Me, just give this, me an early one. This is like a really early fucking prediction. I have a fun one. I mean, I, I'm going to go with give Greg me, Olson. Give me your, your offensive coordinator and quarterback pair because we are going to take a break. But I just want to throw out a fun one real quick. Yeah. Who's your offensive coordinator quarterback prediction? Because I just came up with a fun one. All right. Well, I'm going to go most likely as Greg Olson and Derek Carr because I do think Derek Carr is the front runner in my mind for who's going to be yeah. the Jets quarterback next year. Um, but, it, I mean, I'm really in on Lamar Jackson. So, Lamar Jackson and whichever one of these guys can, can – have a spread offense the best <laughs> that's where i was gonna go i was gonna go lamar jackson and nathaniel hackett that was gonna be my pairing yeah like, that's, that's, what, that's what i was gonna say i, I couldn't really the, remember what nathaniel hackett what his it's like was. the the blake bortles year he was like it was basically just doing like a dual threat quarterback with bortles so i give me that with with lamar yeah. that would be filthy that's that, well, that i like, would be like a dream. the read option and i yeah love that looked able to love, be an nfl quarterback who runs the read option like offense so yeah. I, I, yeah, he can I want Lamar Jackson Hackett, more than anything. Hackett is good anything. at just building if the, around. If the Jets traded, if the Jets traded every pick, a hundred million dollars on the cap, like I don't give a fuck. Like they can do whatever they want to get Lamar Jackson. I'll be, I'll, I'm in on that. Let's start throwing overpay. Play. I'm in on uh, that. At what point? I'm gonna start throwing players in. At what point do you start to say no? Oh, Garrett Wilson. All right, well, let's not go overboard. No, Garrett Wilson. Let's not do anything. But that would be Garrett stupid. Wilson and the thirteenth overall pick. Why not? Receivers grow on trees. Garrett Wilson and the thirteenth pick oh, for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yes, come on. I mean, yeah, you do it. Exactly. If you say no, you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah, if you say no, you're wrong. But like, I don't. I'm not trading really Garrett Wilson. Shut up. That. Lamar Jackson's gonna be that. throwing to Garrett Wilson all the time. It's gonna be uh, awesome. That'd God. Be great. I was gonna keep it going. I was gonna throw. Yeah. I was gonna throw a uh, sauce in the thirteenth pick for Lamar. Jackson. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like you talk about Quinn and Williams, like all these great players. It's like, well, I don't want to trade them, but it's like, if we had Lamar Jackson, we any fucking person out there, if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of those dumbass bitches who's like, oh, Lamar's not even that good. You're a dumb bitch. Like you're a dumb idiot if you think that. 
Love you. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, that's you. a great way to say it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. You know, that's that was the only other thing that I wanted to touch on is we are going to take a little bit of a break here through the playoffs and and just uh thank you guys. Teddy Teddy said it a little bit more eloquently than I am going to, but really thank you guys so much for listening through these uh the last almost year now. It's been fun doing this show 43 episodes in. Um obviously we're not going anywhere. We'll pick things back up after the uh postseason, but there's it's just not going to be much to talk about. Like I said, if if there's a hire, if there's a trade that's made, we'll hop back on here. But we're going to take a few weeks off. And so, Teddy, want to thank you for doing this. It's been super fun. Um, I, I, I look forward to it every week. Yeah. And I appreciate you guys listening along the way. No, yeah, I want to echo all of that. Thank you guys to everyone who's listened. It's been it's been awesome. And and I mean, you know, we're not the biggest podcast in the world, but but the people who do listen is why we do it every week. Yeah. Um, and it's a blast. And I thank you, Blake, for... Uh, kind of running the show and asking me to do this and getting me in on this. And uh, yeah, it feels weird to take a break. Definitely. I know it's, it's going to, it's going to be weird next week. 11 months where we, where we haven't missed a week. I think you did one solo pod in the summer. And other and than that, we have successfully done it once a week, which, which let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's not always easy fitting in, fitting in a one or two hour podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've had to move around a, a schedule lot of stuff. into, into we, our lives. We, yeah, to... I mean, we've been, we're a we've Friday done just about every yeah we've done just about every day of the week so far but no it's been it's been a ton of fun and I, I look forward to joining back in again and and kicking things off for a fun 2023 season where the Jets will finish that is the motto finish. yeah yeah I totally uh buy into Mike or uh Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are both like oh yeah we're making the playoffs this year, next year like that's kind of where I'm at like I'm just Has all in optimism um and also you know if you're bummed we're leaving like like this the NFL season is going to be back up and going in like a month once the yeah. Super Bowl ends. So, and I, and if anything happens there, so who knows? Maybe maybe you'll only get a couple of weeks off from. <laughs> I was going to say uh, they make. A, we'll be back soon. We'll we'll be back soon. Yeah, they make a Derek Carr trade, and we're back next fucking Wednesday talking about him as the Jets quarterback. Like it could, it really God, could happen sick. that quick. Uh, but until then, yeah. thank you guys for listening. Follow us on all of our social media pages. Um, I don't know, Teddy. It's been fun. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you guys as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.